0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Euphrates Network. Welcome back if you're with us again, or welcome for the first time. Yes, episode two. I'm Danny. And I'm Shae. And just to give you a little overview of what this podcast is, you know, we just really want to create, you know, uh an outlet where you can see yourself as part of God's global story, you know, because we know in you know, Alexa a lot of times that the Church of Christ It stretches beyond borders. It stretches beyond cultural differences. And we want to create content that really affirms that conviction. And so if you're a young person, you're searching for your calling and how your calling fits in with the greater story of what God's doing around the earth. And specifically, even if you're interested in missions, you know, this is a place for you and we hope to provide helpful content. You know, in each episode, we're going to be sharing either sharing our thoughts on all things that are theological, cultural and missional around the world. Or a lot of episodes, you're going to be hearing stories and testimonies from people from different backgrounds and cultural experiences. We're going to interview, you know, a number of believers to hear their testimonies and stories. But we'll even engage with people, hopefully, you know, of different faiths just to kind of hear what makes them tick, hear what they think about and, you know, hopefully talk talk about God with them, talk about Jesus with them on the podcast. And so this episode specifically, we're going to be talking about the Great Commission You know, at the end of the intro episode, if you didn't listen to that, I encourage you to to go through it. It's only 20 minutes. Yeah, go back and check that out. Yeah, one of the things Danny talked about was just the idea of unreached people groups. And one of the things that's kind of built into the idea of unreached people groups and even thinking about it is, you know, this idea that there's some kind of injustice when someone isn't really exposed to the gospel message. And one of the things I want to talk about this episode is, why do we care? What is it that makes us care that there's places of the world where the gospel, where Christianity, isn't an influence? And that's something we we want to talk about on this episode, you know, because, you know, for a lot of people, there's this sense that, you know, people can believe what they want, and there's something inherently immoral about trying to, expose someone to, to an idea that can get them to change their mind. You know, why not just let them be? And so we just want to explore that um, in this episode. And so and one of the things that Danny is going to talk about is just some of the biblical foundation behind the Great Commission and the command to share the gospel around the world.
1: Yeah, that's really good, Shay. I think that a lot of people, while maybe you've heard that, yeah, there's so many people that never have heard about Jesus or they've maybe heard about you know, the Islamic prophet version of Jesus. Uh, Maybe not every day, you know, Christians are thinking about, oh, wow, there's 3 billion people in the world, 3.2 billion people out of about 8 billion that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And at the same time, they don't have an active Christian witness. And so, yeah, Shay, you teed it up for me. Why do we care about this, right? I think a lot of times... It's good to just revisit the biblical foundations for caring about reaching all the nations uh, in the Bible. And right off the bat, I'll hit you with some scripture. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the book of Acts, we have a similar charge from Jesus to his 12 disciples or 11 disciples to go and reach uh, the world with the gospel. In Matthew 28, he says, uh, All authority, Jesus is speaking, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, of all... That word nations there is ethnic groups, ethnos, of all ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the first thing we see here is that Jesus, our Lord, the one who died for us, rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven, and who's coming back to judge the living and the dead. This Jesus commands us to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all the things that Jesus taught us, uh, teaches us in the Bible, and the things that Jesus taught the apostles. So that's reason one. We want to obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe that he's Lord and Savior, we can talk about that on a different podcast. But if you... Maybe you, you don't hold to those beliefs. Uh, you can understand why somebody who would hold to those beliefs would want to spread this message because they love Jesus. We love Jesus. We have a relationship with him. We can feel him. We can see how he's changed our lives for the greater through the Holy Spirit. And biblically speaking, this is one of the strongest reasons is obedience. The second reason is that in John seventeen, I think it's verse twenty-four or twenty-one. Shade, do you remember? But Jesus says, uh, "Father, I desire." I think it's verse twenty-four. I desire that those people whom you have saved that they would be with me. Yeah, that's John seventeen twenty-four. And the second reason we preach the gospel is because Jesus desires people's hearts he desires to connect with people he desires to save them in christianity we believe that everyone has a need for god everyone has a need for redemption and a savior that they cannot do it themselves right that's a basic christian thing we have to humble ourselves realizing we can't save ourselves jesus comes and saves us and then we go and do good works and Jesus desires to save us so that He can have relationship with us. So, number one, obedience. Number two, relationship. And number three, this may be the most important one. But we go to the nations, and personally, I'm a missionary. I live among, uh, I live in Istanbul, Turkey, amongst 80 million uh, people in Turkey. 99.99% Muslim, and uh, the city of Istanbul has about 20 million people, and there's only about Five to ten thousand believers, depending on how you do the math, depending on the weather, <laughs> right? Depending on uh, how many people uh, see the sun shining that day, uh, believe in Jesus from the from the Turkish people. So, my point is, not many Christians uh, in a sea of Muslim people, but Jesus deserves the praise of those people. And I think we can maybe talk about this in another episode. But the difference between uh, humanistic gospel of wanting to go to the nations so that people would be saved versus uh, the primary emphasis of people should hear the gospel so that Jesus can deserve the praise and the glory that or he can get the praise and the glory that he deserves. And so that's a very interesting uh, dichotomy there. And both are valid. Like God really does want to save people. He desires to save people. So that's why I put that one first. But He deserves our praise because He created us and He wants to be our Father. And only God can get the glory because God saves us and He only does something. He does something only He can do. So therefore, He gets all the glory and He should deserve all the praise and worship. Isaiah talks about how uh, God's praise and his glory will cover the earth like the sea covers the water. Mm-hmm. Or the, the water covers the sea. Right? The water covers the sea. Yeah, I'm ad-libbing, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Shay is our theological guy, so he should correct me. Uh, don't put I'm that wrong. pressure on me. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> uh, you're the PhD, bro. So, obedience, number one. Two, Jesus desires to be in relationship with people. And three, Jesus deserves the praise of all peoples,
0: and so anyway, we long for that day in which those things will be realized. Yeah, absolutely. And what, one of the things you touched on is like salvation, people getting saved, and that's that's one concept where I feel like there's a lot of disconnects sometimes with that. You know, because I think for a lot of people, um, even for people who are professing Christians, their perspective of what the Bible is supposed to do in your life, what Christianity supposed to do in your life, what Jesus does in your life. I mean, is essentially make you into a better person to give you like a sense of a more fulfilled life.
1: Yeah, that's also the humanistic part of it, which that happens
0: right. when you accept. Exactly. It's one of the fruits of what happens. And so the idea of trying to convert someone else to this belief, if that's all Jesus did, then if someone can find another path to find that same sense of like, you know, becoming more moral, getting a sense of satisfaction, it's like why, you know, why upset the apple cart, if that's even a phrase, I don't even know what that is. But you know, why upset yeah. why overthrow their you know, their belief system for that? But Right, you know, it's like
1: a different flavor. Exactly. Of the same type of ice cream. You know, I like vanilla, you like you like chocolate. But what we're saying is that there's more than that. Yes. That when you put your faith in Christ, these things happen As a result, your life improves as a result, and we can guarantee that it improves on the inside. But depending on where you live and depending on who your family is, you may catch heat from people on the outside. Mm -hmm. But talking about inside, Jesus promises love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control will happen as you follow him. Uh, but yeah the salvation piece is that we believe in a hell and a heaven Mm -hmm. and it's eternal Mm -hmm. and we we want people to to experience eternal salvation
0: exactly and it's and it's very important when we talk about like what is really the purpose is that we're we're taking Jesus on his own terms like we're not kind of extracting the parts of like the Bible that we that kind of like gels with us we're actually taking what it says and so you know even in the book of Matthew you know, where um, Mary's promise that she'd bear a son. He said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeah. And so, you know, in so many names in the Bible, people are named, their names oftentimes has a meaning that corresponds to their purpose. And so Jesus means the Lord saves, I believe.
1: uh uh-huh, yeah. Yeshua in mm-hmm. Hebrew uh, means uh, Savior, and Messiah or Christ Christ is Greek uh, for Messiah. Do you know what Messiah means? Um, the Anointed One. Yeah, the Anointed. So, Anointed One basically means chosen. So, Jesus is God's chosen Savior and King. Messiah also meant King. So, it's God's chosen Savior King, which is profound.
0: It, exactly. And, and it, it, so, it gives the definition as to when, when Jesus came to the earth and what it was he was trying to do he's trying to save people from their sins and so one of the things that's you know baked into jesus saving people from their sins is that people are sinners and need to be saved and you know the idea that by human nature because of the sin of adam we're born into a state in which we're lost and we're out of fellowship out of communion with god and because of jesus sacrifice on the cross he restores us to perfect fellowship with God, because our sins are washed away and we're forgiven and freed from our sins, and that's has eternal consequences, as Danny mentioned. Over, you know, if you choose to be in communion with God, you get to spend eternity with Him, and if you choose to reject God through rejecting His Son, you'll st- you'll spend eternity separated f- from Him.
1: Yeah, and this is one thing a lot of people, uh, you know, maybe don't get at the first glimpse of when they read the Bible, but. God is all about covenantal relationship. And so one way that he makes his covenants, which is basically just like a fancy word for a very important agreement, uh, you know, such as like a marriage covenant. Uh, but it's basically a, a holy contract, we can say. And God makes different covenants with people throughout history. Adam, Noah, uh, e- uh, Abraham, uh, Moses, David. And then the final covenant is Uh, the new covenant where Jesus pours out his blood. And everybody who is a partaker in the covenant is uh, under God's protection and his salvation. And uh, this is one reason why um, you can only be saved through Jesus is because he is the final uh, perfecter of our faith and he is the one who has um, sealed the covenant with his blood. And so we need to uh, basically contract, if you want to put it in a crude way, but it's sometimes helpful to think about it from a different angle. But we we'll, we have to contract with God and that contract is, uh, we basically join his family mm-hmm. you know, legally yeah. and we get adopted.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So a- adoption is a legal thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so
1: I don't know. We're getting off topic. No, 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 it's, it's, <laughs> it's good.
0: But so that kind of sets a little bit about the biblical foundation of why it is that we feel like it's vital to share this message with others. And, you know, some of you who are listening to the podcast, you might not be convinced, you know, that the Bible is authoritative or totally true.
1: Yeah, we hope people who uh, have differing views are listening, actually. Yes, yeah, yeah. And we want to engage with. Yeah, gosh. we want to
0: engage with the conversation. And we hope that you hear through our communication, even if you don't necessarily agree with like, what we're saying, you understand why it is that we feel like it's important to do this. Is that if you believe this, this is the logical outflow of that belief is that you would desire to share. And, and, you know, one of the things that we didn't even talk about too, is just the personal transformation that we've experienced in our own life. That's come out of a relationship with Jesus that we want everyone else to have. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's just a big burden, you know, for, um, you know, for us, but I want to go into a little bit about just even like, so you're, you're, like stripping away from the, the specific claims about Christianity, the idea of the, the necessity to communicate truth to others. And, and, and so when we think about something that's, that's true, you know, for like almost every other type of truth, most people understand that if you're making a truth claim, anything that contradicts that truth Can't also be true. It's like you almost have to pick. You know, you're like you're teaching mathematics and you know you're teaching arithmetic and your teacher tells you one plus one equals two and someone just says, Hey, I find that offensive. One plus one equals three, and maybe for you one plus one equals two, but for me one plus one equals three, and I just think it's wrong that you're trying to tell me to like change my mind. Yeah, that'd be a ludicrous conversation. There's like an absolute truth of mathematics that is just true. And if you want to create like an educated society, you have to be uncompromising on communicating that thing that is truth. But for some reason, when it comes specifically to to religion, we're more uncomfortable with the idea of there being absolute truth claims, Like we want to kind of create this umbrella belief in, in which like every religion is essentially true in some sense. Yeah, why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean I, th- I think at the end of the day, I think people I think people can see that for many people who have like deep held convictions about morality, it creates a benefit for most of them. Hmm. Like for instance, you're a devout like Mormon and like you you know you you practice really de- devoutly, like people can see that like for a lot of those people it gives them a sense of like identity, a sense of morality, and so You want to find a way to accommodate a view of religion that doesn't discount you know the helpfulness of their practice you know Mm. what i mean so you're saying that it's more of like for
1: people uh people can recognize that there's a social social and a cultural maybe even a personal benefit to certain religious structures exactly and they don't want to like you know mudsling at them exactly there's values there right is that what you're trying to say
0: yeah exactly and i i think even like there's been um surveys i'd have to to look it up but like essentially that religious people are happier just just generally like people who have like a very strong <laughs> nice. religious system are like are happier you know they they self report being happier yeah and so the, so I think most a lot of that's people do that's a podcast yeah that's a, that's a podcast too <laughs> but the thing a lot of people do is that they see that and they just say, like, well, then it doesn't matter which religion. But the thing that we just kind of talked about at length is just, like, "What are the deepest things that each religion is trying to communicate? And where do they contradict each other? Because, like, if at the end, of the end of the day, like, Christianity was just about, like, I want to be, like, a happier, more moral person, then I would say, I mean, pick whatever works for you. But that isn't the central claim right, that Christianity exactly. makes. Yeah. And so when it comes to like these different faiths and different religions, they make different central claims that contradict each other on fundamental points. And just like one plus, if one plus one equals two and one plus one cannot also equal three, there are going to be elements where like, either this religion's right and this one's wrong, or, like, they, or they're all wrong, that might be your viewpoint, but they can't all be right. And for yeah. them to all be right, you're essentially saying they're all wrong. Because you're having to compromise on the core tenets that many of these religions are claiming.
1: Yeah. There is there is also like a desire to find common ground Yeah, uh, among people, I think. Which I think is a good desire, right? And we need to have common ground to live uh, in a state of non-war, yeah, right? Exact, like, exactly. We need to be yeah. able to say, hey, I'm Christian, you're Muslim, but like we... You know, by the way, he's not Muslim. But, you know, I'm Christian. The guy across the street is Muslim, and we can coexist. You know, yes. you, we've all seen like bumper sticker. Yeah. Coexist. And honestly, as a Christian,
0: I say yes. Yeah. We need to coexist. Yeah. We can respect each other even when we feel like you're not going to change your mind. I can say, I genuinely respect and appreciate you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the, another, again, this is kind of, yeah, we won't. Okay, I'm trying to stay on track. Uh, so, discipline myself. But I was talking with um, our church. They do a, a sandwich outreach. Uh, and me and my dad went over there the other day. And we were passing out sandwiches. And we just bumped into two Hindu guys. And they're from Bangladesh. And I just said, hey, man, our church is doing this outreach. Uh, we're the church right over there up the street. Uh, here's a sandwich. Uh, you know, have you ever heard the gospel? And. I thought they were Muslim because most of the Bengali people in our area are Muslim, but they're Hindu. And I shared the gospel with them, and they said, oh, yes, brother, we believe the same thing. And come on. I mean, I've studied world religions, and I know that Hindus, they believe in at least thousands, if not m- hundreds of millions of gods, right? Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, this guy was uh, saying that, yeah, I believe in Jesus as a god, mm-hmm. and I'm not different than you, mm-hmm. right? There was a desire to identify With um, with me as a Christian and him as a as a Hindu as being the same, Mm -hmm. and you know that's a that's a problem. That's kind of what you're saying. One plus one equals three. Right. And let's have a little bit of intellectual integrity. Yeah, exactly. Right. To say, hey, okay, we're not going to fight, but let's have a let's let's talk uh, logic here a little bit. Exactly. Let's let's parse out what these actually mean, and having differences is okay, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and you can genuinely be a person that says, hey, these, this belief system, what we believe about who Jesus is, how he revealed himself in scripture, we believe is fundamentally important. We want to communicate in such a way so that other people can also see the importance and come to know Christ while also saying we respect the dignity of, of people who disagree with us and we don't have to fight or have conflict about it like those two things can exist together and i think a lot of people don't think it can
1: yeah exactly so many people i remember i was talking with a lady at my old work and i said yeah i'm a religious person i go to church and she said religion is going to end us all this was back when isis was she was actually referring to isis and uh, i was like well it depends what kind of religion Mm -hmm. and uh we should do a podcast later on the on crusades and jihad that would Mm -hmm. be very interesting because living in the middle east uh You know, we have gathered a good perspective on those things. Uh, But, yeah, that's the extreme example. The Crusades is saying, Mm -hmm. if you don't agree, you're going to die. You know, Mm -hmm. if you don't agree, you're going to be oppressed.
0: Yeah, Spanish Inquisition as well.
1: Yeah, and I I think, you know, what, what we say when we share the gospel, at least I can speak personally, is, look, if you believe this gospel for any external reason, social pressure, family pressure, You know, you name it, governmental pressure, if you believe it because of those things, uh, then your faith isn't actually real. Hmm. And, um, you know, I challenge Muslim people a lot. I said, one day you're going to die and you will stand before God and there won't be a government there. There won't be a family there. Your father won't be there. It will just be you and God and you need to find out what is true actually. And that's all we're trying to do. We're not trying to force anybody in preaching the gospel. We're not saying you have to believe this. We're saying, guys, this is true. We've experienced it. We're bearing witness to this fact. And that's what Jesus says. Just go be a witness. Mm-hmm. Just tell what God has done in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think sometimes it can be overly complicated. And uh, we try to we try to have all the right arguments there. But really, we're not trying to force anybody to believe anything just the other day too, when we were at the sandwich outreach, I offered one guy a sandwich and he says, he says, no man, I'm good. I'm not looking for a pitch. And I'm just like, Hey man, I'm not trying to pitch anything and uh, have a nice day, you know, just handing out sandwiches. And if it leads into a conversation about Jesus and the gospel it's like, obviously I'm ready to give it and, and to engage and ask questions. Uh, but I think that, you know, so much of our fear as Christians Uh, Comes into that. Oh, we don't want to have conflict. We don't want to do these things. Whereas, it just takes a little bit of practice to learn how to navigate these conversations with love. It's like what the Bible says: it says, uh, "Speak the truth in love." Right? We got to find the truth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And that—that's a good transition into talking about. We already kind of started to talk about it, but how do we go about communicating the gospel? So, if if you've been listening all along, you know, we hope that if you're a Christian, you're feeling this sense of conviction. Like, if you're not someone who's sharing your faith, you, you're you developing the conviction of, like, oh, I need to. And not just I need to, I want to. And if you're not a Christian, you can at least empathize as to why we would have that conviction that we should. And so the next question would be, how do we actually go about doing that? And I want to share a couple scriptures that kind of set a foundation as to how the Bible communicates, um, how we should go about doing that. And once from First Corinthians chapter two verse four, this letter First Corinthians is written by Apostle Paul, who became a disciple soon after Jesus' ascension. He had a, you know, he had a revelation of Jesus, and he had this one eighty where he used to be a Jewish religious leader who was persecuting Christians, and then became a radical Christian and and wrote a lot of the New Testament. And so, in this verse in First Corinthians chapter two, he talks about his method of communicating the message, and he says. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of God, but on the power of God. Sorry, I don't know if I read that right. Your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And so, in essence, what he's saying is that I'm not communicating in such a way where I'm so, like, eloquent and such a good convincer so that I'm, like convincing you into like an ideology is that when I'm preaching there, the living God through the Holy spirit, so bears witness to what I'm saying that the message is accompanied by like a real encounter with God and you're responding in responding to your message. You're really responding to, to God essentially. And so one of the things that we believe about, you know, conversion or salvation is this idea is that it's God who saves people. Yeah, that's good. It's God that opens people's eyes to see the truth of who he is and they respond to a personal relationship with him. And there's nothing that we can say or do to force people to do that. And so, you know, in in other eras of church history, you know, there are times where there's essentially, you know, as Daniel's mentioned, like social, political, cultural pressures to force you in conversion. And like you said, I don't believe that faith is real. Exactly. Like if you don't have this personal revelation of Jesus where you believe it for yourself, it's meaningless. And so when we try to communicate the message, we're trusting that if this person's really going to believe, it's going to be God who helps them. So we're not, we don't feel a sense that we need to put pressure on people to to be convinced by what we're saying.
1: Yeah, one phrase that comes to mind is positioning people for encounter with Jesus. Mm. And that's what we talk a lot about in our ministry in Istanbul. Is that people, if they're going to choose a God on default in Istanbul, they're going to choose Allah. They're going to choose Islam. Mm-hmm. For them to choose Jesus, they actually need to encounter Jesus yeah. as God, as as Savior. And so we talk a lot about how do we position people to encounter this real person.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's what you're you're yeah. trying to hit on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why, you know, for, for us too, we we try to pray for people, you know, and yeah, for me personally, like I've really tried and still like having this deep desire, like I want everyone to know Jesus. I, I've, I've seen a lot of like the pressure, like just letting some of the pressure go off of myself. Yeah. Um,
1: There's a lot of pressure that can come when you're in ministry to yeah. try to make it happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think that's the thing, like when you first come to the place where you realize like, oh, I need to, or I get to share this message I, th- I think almost everyone goes through the phase where they feel like they're the ones that save people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, and maybe yeah.
1: some people, they're very convincing yeah. and you just have that personality and you can feel like, oh, wow, I'm I'm great at this. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that can even in the long run create other issues.
0: Well, the thing is, that if you're able to convince someone into something, someone else can be able to convince them out of it. Yeah. And so a lot of times when, even when people see the ability to use their like, personality and like logic to get people to even pray the sinner's prayer those types of like conversions don't seem to last as long you know
1: but at the same time certain people who do have that that gift of Mm -hmm. maybe communicating and they don't mind putting themselves into those conversations more Mm -hmm. often and sharing the gospel Um, one thing i heard recently was that people who are convinced of something are very convincing so if you actually have a very real encounter in mm-hmm. spiritual life with Christ, then you are able to tell people and say, hey bro, like God changed my life here, yeah. here and here. And you're not trying to do it to gain something or gain favor with God, but you just genuinely want them to experience God and get connected with the Lord too. That is a gift. So we're not saying like yeah. downplay the gospel too or, or like pull your personality back if you are that kind of person. Right. But just saying that that's not all right. it takes.
0: Yeah, God is God is the one who yeah. ultimately saves. But it's it's funny that um, I I've just been thinking a lot about um, I don't know, just yeah, the way God uses different people to communicate the message. And I mean, obviously, we're talking about. I just thought I'd share one example of a friend um, where I've just been watching his life the last like year, really. And this last few months um, at Penn State, I, I work at Penn State, I'm a researcher there, and we've seen a number of people like, you know, accepting Jesus. And there's one particular guy, his name's Ian. I guess I didn't ask for permission if I could share about yeah, him. Yeah, we'll edit it out. Yeah, or I'll, it, I'll ask him later, but I'm sure he'll Yeah, be okay we'll get permission. Yeah, maybe even have him on an episode cause he's a really interesting guy. Yeah. But he, there's just been so many people this semester where, he will commun he'll just meet them randomly and you know with no previous relationship and sh- talk to them about Jesus, and they'll become Christian and it's partially because he just had such a deep encounter himself with Jesus, and when he shares with people about this is what Jesus did in my life, it doesn't feel like he's just sharing like some theory that he read and he's trying to convince them. It's just like this is really personal and and some of the, like the struggles he had before he found Christ are very relatable. Well, you know, when it comes to like, anxiety and depression, just seeing a number of people who, you know, they're, you know, they're becoming Christians, showing up to these things, and they're like, oh, how'd you hear about this? I'm like, oh, yeah, I just like randomly met Ian. Somewhere. Oh, wow. Is, and he, is he a student? Yeah, he's a student. He's a senior, oh, unfortunately, so he's graduating. But
1: Ah, that's the problem with college ministry. <laughs> yeah, you just always have to
0: replenish. But he, just the other week, last last Saturday, actually, he, you know, we had these meetings downtown, and he all of a sudden had like tears in his eyes and you know he just i just asked him what was going on and he said like i just realized 2 years ago on this day i was about to kill myself oh my gosh and it's just unreal you know in 2 years he managed cuz he wasn't a believer at all and it was it was that that period of his life that set off like the events that had like led him to to Christ and um yeah it's just amazing um, the the amount that God does in those couple of years, and so, yeah. so it's another thing that talks about like the benefits of, you know, following Jesus is that, you know, you're you're going to be exposed if it hasn't happened in your own life, you're going to be exposed to lots of stories of people who were in really dark places that when they decided to give their lives to Jesus, their lives radically changed for the better.
1: Yeah, and there's a real tangible spiritual change that happens in christianity yes. now we have to be fair we can say that people's lives can change if they align their lives with certain principles and mm-hmm. put themselves like i know people that have gotten deeper into islam that have experienced some form of uh like personal um, development personal betterment you know like people people say and testify that Getting into Buddhism or Hinduism has helped them cope with anxiety and, and different things as well. And so maybe that would also be a cool podcast to look at yeah. just sociologically certain yeah. things. But what we're saying is that uh, there is an ultimate truth that says the person and spirit of Jesus Christ actually arrests a person yeah. and changes them and leads them into uh, their true identity as a son or a daughter in the Lord and saves them from their sin at the same time and cleans them of their uh, guilt, shame, and fear. It's the complete package. Really? Yes. Yeah, other religions might hit on different categories and depending culturally certain things, they may even be better than Christianity in certain cultural contexts. You know, we can look at s- certain things and we can critique that. Uh, we're, we're down to do that. Um, uh, but more like
0: self-critique. Areas well, for instance, I'll give an example.
1: Like uh, in the Middle East. Uh, well, let's just say this: hospitality is a biblical virtue, right?
0: Yeah.
1: In the Middle East, Muslims do hospitality way better than American Christians. Hmm. We can critique. We can critique that. Now, do we do we say that Islam is true because of that? I don't say Islam is true because mm-hmm. of that, but I can critique. Recognize that biblically that's a value that they walk out better than what we're doing yeah. here in America. So that's what I mean by yeah, by sure. critiquing. In certain, and at certain times, given the cultural context. Now, Middle Eastern Christians, they do hospitality really well, too. They do it great, like, you know, because it's partly cultural. So anyway, um, does that make sense? Yeah, what that, I'm that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, for sure. But I'm just saying, just, you know, at the same time, we want to be fair that, uh, different things, like even going through AA. Mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, that can lead to really good transformation. But what we're saying is uh, that there is something just extra rather than discipline. Yeah. Rather yeah. than these things. And it's, uh, what is it? It's metaphysical, right? It's mm-hmm. like, this is actually true. Even mm-hmm. though we can't see uh, the world after, the, it is there and Jesus... He testified this to us, he told us of it, and he proved it through his death and resurrection, and that we're all going to get a resurrected physical body in the future, and everyone who has covenanted with Jesus will receive that. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so that is the good news. And this is good news at the end of the day. It's good news. You know, it's like saying, hey, I got a million dollars for you. You'll get it in a few years. And people saying, like, no, I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the things with like spiritual transformation, so we, we, we concede that there are principles that are true, that there's elements that are, that are contained in other ideologies. That if you like follow it, you can improve. You can see yeah, things get exactly. better. But I I, I want to ask you about this and want to share my perspective and ask you about it. From my own perspective, in my you know limited life experiences, just observing people, you know over a number of years it seems like consistently the most dramatic transformations from people who are struggling to people that are thriving, like they seem to always involve Jesus, you know, because there, some, some people, you know, they, they look at someone who's like well-adjusted and moral who might be an atheist. Like obviously there's many people like that. And when I say moral, I mean like relatively moral compared to like kind of what's the norm in society. Like you can find people who are atheists, I rarely find people like that that had like a really dark past and then were transformed is usually like they came from like a good upbringing and they were taught good values and so in their mind they didn't really need like a belief in God or you know yeah. anything like that but for the people who like man I was in prison or like I did this like I was in that and right. then you see that they're now like a well adjusted moral like they have a good family life like all all the things that go along with exactly. i guess like thriving as an adult i i don't know if i really hear many stories where that did not involve finding jesus
1: yeah no i think you're right and i definitely agree that when people get born again and they get filled with the holy spirit it's a radical quick transformation and fruit that plays out over the long term yeah. for sure um I was just kind of giving a, a caveat for yeah, yeah. you know listeners who maybe they would say like, well, you't uh, you don't have to be a Christian to be a good person, which mm-hmm. is a little bit outside the scope of the podcast, yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm a classic uh,
0: classic rambler, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I, yeah, I thought ahead. maybe to close this episode, you know I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about things that we've seen, maybe things we've experienced in our own life that have shown the power. Of the transformation of the gospel, like we already kind of touched on that, and I shared about my friend Ian. But you know, yeah. maybe for you, and maybe I have a couple other stories of like where have you seen people's lives change, um, you know, through encountering Jesus? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just remember, uh, you know, one guy that we were
1: ministering to in in Istanbul, uh, and he ended up accepting the Lord, and um, he just was in depression and struggling and as he began to read the scriptures every day and you know we just encouraged him it's like hey bro uh you're not sure if this is actually for you right like we're not you're not sure if this is true yet but just read the bible every day and pray for 21 days and just pray to jesus and read the bible and see what happens and over time about after the first week of doing that uh, he was just said, man I feel so amazing I feel so alive on the inside I feel so much love and he said, I want to give everything over to Jesus and I, I want to follow him I want to become a Christian and uh, since then he has improved just from a you know from a personal development standpoint has improved so much in terms of depression in terms of productivity in terms of just keeping his uh, keeping his life in order and so that's that's one case um, we've also seen, Uh, you know, a number of miracles uh, in our ministries uh, over the years. Uh, Saw one guy in Egypt who was, uh, he fell off like a 15 foot um, building and like cracked some disc in his back or something like that. And we prayed for him. And in Jesus' name, and this 15-year injury got healed on the spot. Hmm. And unfortunately, he was in a Bedouin tribe in the Sinai and Uh, He explained to us through our translator that he preferred to stay Muslim because that's what his family was. But we see that the power of God, boom, immediately uh, healing somebody and transforming them. Uh, And yeah, you know, depression is a big one. Uh, Deliverance from sexual sin and pornography. So we've seen that as well. Uh, And we've seen people just improving, honestly, grow up, you know, just by taking... Uh, the time every day to commune with the Lord through prayer and scripture reading and then walking that out in their daily life. Yeah. What about you? You have some testimonies? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think the, the stories that have impacted me the most were ones like I wasn't really like, involved with, but I heard about. And so maybe I'll share like one of those that I, that I heard recently. Um, it was a couple weeks ago, there was a, a pastor that came in and spoke at these uh, gatherings that um, students had put on and he was probably in his fifties, I think. And he just for the message, he shared his story and it was one of the more impactful stories I've heard. So thought I'd recount it. And then again, ask for permission later to, to share his story. <laughs> He's public. I mean, he shared it publicly, so I'm assuming it's okay. But he talked about how he, um, he grew up in DC in kind of like a rough neighborhood. He was like the only like white kid in his like area. It's like Asian on one side and black on one side. Um, and I only, I only say that because it, it created for him a sense of, like, disconnection from his community and made him feel, like, alienated because he was like, the only one. And he ended up um, getting involved with selling guns. And it started with just kind of stealing guns from people to the point where he realized that he can get the most guns from stealing from the homes of police officers. And so he essentially, and at this point, I think he was, I mean, he was still a teenager, and he would essentially scope out the houses of police officers, go in and steal their guns and then sell it to like gang members and made a lot of money that way. And um, at one point, he was living with his father and his parents were divorced. And at one point, I guess he went to live with his mother and father-in-law for a little bit. And they had recently become Christians and they took him along to church. And that evening, he essentially had this experience where it like the whole room turned into a white light And he saw a hand pointing at him and says, the time is now. And then everything just disappeared and went black. And he didn't understand what it meant, but he knew it was God. He's just gone to church and he believed it. Like it was something to do with God, but he didn't know know how to like understand it. And so later, maybe it was like a week later, he um, was at a party with his friends. And he talked about how he would get into like just a ton of fights all the time. And in this particular instance, he got his this altercation with, with, his, with this girl, actually, who, like, like, I guess, hit him. And then he, like, grabbed her and, like, pushed her to the ground. With a
1: girl or his girl?
0: With a girl. Okay. Yeah. And so he, like, grabbed her and, like, they ended up on the ground and she, like, smacked her head. Oh, yeah. And then people, his friends, who were just, like, you know, crossed the line yeah. and they started beating him up. And he said they beat him, like, nearly to death. Like, he was close to dying. His faith was, face was totally disfigured. Like, he was close to dying. And um, I think they ended up leaving because I think maybe the cops came. And he went home. And he just got this, like, sh- like this big dose of adrenaline and says, I'm going to go and kill them. And so he decided he was going to go back to the house where this happened because he figured that they were all back there. And he called this, like, Asian gang he knew that he had sold guns to and says, like, hey, meet me at this gas station, we're going to go, and we're going to shoot everyone in this house. And as he's on the phone, his mom and stepfather are in the house, and they're, like, crying and, like, praying, please don't do this. And then he was walking out the door, and then he, like, had this sense that he, like, forgot something in his room. So he went back to his room, and he sees his stepfather standing there, and his stepfather points at him and points at him with his finger and says, the time is now. The same thing he saw in the vision wow. like a week before, and just after that he just broke down, gave his life to Jesus, and just saw his life radically transformed. Wow! And so it's just an instance again where this guy, you know, he's seems to be well. I mean, I don't know him well, but yeah. just
1: this was a pastor.
0: Yeah, this is a pastor. So he has a church, like he has a family. So this was years ago then. Yeah, this was like you know like thirty years ago maybe thirty wow. something years ago, and so he's like it he seems to be a very well adjusted adult. If you met him, you. You know he clearly loves Jesus, but you see, like he has life together. But like, if it wasn't for encountering Jesus, there's a ninety-nine point nine percent chance he'd be dead or in jail by now. Yes, yeah, with seriously. the life he was living, like it's it's not that common to get that deep into what he was doing, right? And, and see that out. dramatic of a change. But it's what Jesus does when when people genuinely encounter him.
1: Yeah, Amen. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's that's what we really want. You know, mm. you see sometimes on the billboards or in a tract that Jesus is the answer, and that can become cliche, yeah. but it really is true. Like, God is real, and His he has a name, and his name is Jesus, and he wants to save us from our sin and from our lives of filth, and save us eternally, too. Eternal life, I believe, starts now. Absolutely, yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's it for for this podcast. We just hope that you took away why we believe that we want to share the gospel. We want people to know Jesus. We want to play a role in communicating it to people and trust that God is going to reveal himself to people. And, you know, if you're a Christian, we hope that you're, you're thinking about praying, about doing that yeah. often. If you're already doing that a lot, we hope maybe we gave you some <clears throat> insights into how to, you know, even be, you know, more effective at it. And if you're not a Christian, we hope that, you're at least able to empathize with our hearts as to why it is that we believe, and many other Christians believe, that it's imperative that we share this message.
1: Yeah, and we're not trying to bring anybody into some kind of institution, the, and get them to you know do certain certain things that benefit an institution or a greater body. The Christianity is a movement,
0: right? And it's it's an a, organism.
1: It's a, it's been a movement for two thousand years. Yeah. And uh, so we want to just, you know, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, we just ask you to consider the claims that we're making and that are found in the scriptures. And we want to just challenge you to go and search it out. So many people haven't even read the Bible, mm-hmm. honestly, in mm-hmm. Western society. And this is another podcast. I think I've probably said that like five times. <laughs> yeah. We're at the beginning of this. So I'm writing down all these ideas that yeah. we're having. It's kind of how my brain works. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, the Bible, it really is the foundation for so many of the things that we take for granted in our society. So yeah. anyway, guys, we thank you for listening. And I think that's it, right? Yep. We'll All see right. you guys next time. Yeah, take care.